lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd and He is Aaron McIntyre. Of course, there is breaking news as we speak from the U.S. Supreme Court. Not quite the case yet that everybody is waiting on and hoping for. That's the Dobbs case. A buddy of mine sent me a text a little while ago. What is the holdup here? Have you ever heard the phrase Friday news dump? If you are a Supreme Court justice and they're giving out your home address and your neighbors are organizing protest at your home, and have you seen the state of law enforcement in America today? Uvalde, anybody? I kind of can't blame him for saying, you know what? I think we're going to drop this one on a Friday right before the July 4th holiday on the very last day of the session. Can I get a witness on that? Realpolitik. Yeah, I, 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 if I was advising him, that's what I would tell them to do. If they called me up and said, hey, how should we, how should we drop this? I'd tell them, not how, when. We're dropping this at about 4.59 p.m. on July 1st. That's what I'd be telling them to do. All right. If those were my kids and my families and my grandkids, and that was the spirit of the age. Uh, but the case involved the Second Amendment in the state of New York. And a couple of things that stands out to me about this case. Number one, if you look at the way the ruling is worded, and I've only had a chance to read some of it so far, not all of it, because it literally broke right after my workout and after I got out of the shower. But um, the, number one, Clarence Thomas writes this verdict. John Roberts actually voted on the right side of this. Wow. Which means he elected to let. He would have Mm -hmm. then had dibs to write the majority opinion here. He could have written something that was a little bit more circumspect about the very narrow, specific definition and application of the Second Amendment. Instead, he handed it over to the graduate from Wall Builders Academy over there, Clarence Thomas, and said, you got this one. And lo and behold, it's, it's from what I've read so far, it is exactly what you would expect of Clarence Thomas. It is a pretty sweeping defense, both in theorem and in practicum of the Second Amendment. Which, to some degree, renders from a policy perspective, on the Second Amendment anyway, the sellout the Republicans are attempting to engage right now, simultaneously, talk about coincidence... Uh, it, it, on the Second Amendment, I think it, you can make a case that it renders it irrelevant. Now, remember, the issue with red flag laws, as I've told you for the last couple of weeks since this came up, is you got to throw in the Fourth and Fifth Amendments here. Illegal search and seizure, no person is denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. That these things can be used, even if, even if this, is, this binds them from confiscating your guns, they still can form such a registry and use it to confiscate you. Hey, the Department of Ed today under President Biden's direction put out a new thing that if you won't use pronouns in a school, the right pronouns, you can be expelled, you can be charged with sexual harassment, and that's you, you refuse to comply, you're now on the registry. Um, we got the bugs from Klaus Schwab, and we bugged you, okay? I mean, that, that's, that's the other aspect of red flag laws to not forget, okay? But from a, a Second Amendment perspective... This certainly, at the very least, undercuts some of whatever they were trying to do. And, and I want to say this, too. Here, here, 
because I've had people ask me today, what do you think Mitch McConnell's reaction to this is? I think Mitch McConnell loves it. You have to try to see the world the way your enemies or your um, neo-belligerent non-allies see it, not the way you do, and project on them. He gets both sides of this. That See, this is how he's thinking, and he's probably right. He's thinking, hey, you know, independents that showed they were maybe more favorable to red flag laws and a little worried that crazy people were getting guns. We sent them a virtue signal in an election year, and then the judges that we made sure to appoint and confirm turned right around at the very exact same time. This ruling was coming down before the end of the session. Everybody expected it. It's not like, shocking. I mean, this case came out of nowhere. This ruling had been expected for a while, similar to Dobbs. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Cocaine Mitch and his office was like, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Virtue signal on this. And then the judges we confirmed and appointed will just, you know, put out their ruling and essentially undermine it a couple of days later. And we can and we can we both can make the case to squishes in the sub Karen squish in the suburbs. We're concerned about crazies getting guns and then turn to our base and say simultaneously vote Republican for better judges. Right. Yep. That's exactly what Mitch is thinking. I promise you. And he's actually probably right. Here's the problem with that. He's playing a political game. We're beyond. We're beyond political games. We're playing a game of risk. With the spirit of the age. An existential cataclysmic level conflict. When we ask the phrase here on the right, this phrase we've made popular recently, do you know what time it is? This is exactly what we are talking about. Do you understand the threat level? I've got an email from this morning from a woman whose high school daughter demands to be made into a son and everybody at the school is telling them it's exactly correct. The chaplain at the hospital actually came to lobby them to also, uh, you know, chest bind the daughter and turn her into a son. And she asked me, what would you do? And I said, uh, there's never in a million years. There is nothing they could do that I would go along with this. And they'd have to take my child from me with force. They'd have to take it, take him by force. Never happened in a million years. Nothing they could do. Nothing they could threaten me with. Nothing. You want to, I'd go Ruby Ridge over it. Absolutely. See you in hell. Not happening. Better bring the thunder because that's what it would take. Over literally my dead body. That level of zealotry. You know, we quote Lord of the Rings so often around here because frankly it is so often prophetic. What can men do against such reckless hate? Mitch's political analysis is probably correct. What is the political analysis for my child's school and the hospital is trying to convince me to mutilate them? What, what, what is that? You know, in other contexts, when they do this in African or Muslim countries, when, like, when they like remove the clitoris from their little girls, we call that what it is, right? A crime against humanity. We want that kind of stuff stopped. Yeah. But all of a sudden now, in certain circumstances, we don't. Now we don't. And it was the same people both times. Exactly. What's the political analysis for that? There is none. Here's the political analysis. Come and make me. That's your analysis. Come and make me. 
they're the Borg and you're Jean-Luc Picard. That's exactly here right. And no Come and make further. me. That, here's my analysis. I'm not reading any polls. I don't care. Come and make me. Because I'm going to the end. What about you? I'm going all the way to the end. I can promise you, I will go to the end. Let's find out if you're willing to. There is no political analysis. It's not 1987. It's not 1998. Remember how he thought the world was going to end because Bill Clinton lied under oath multiple times about having sex with women who weren't his wife, one of them an intern in the White House, and coined the phrase, it depends on what your definition of the word is, is. Because at that point in time, we just never seen that level of just craven disregard for truth or or class from that caliber of an office we didn't know what to do with it right those were the days doesn't that all seem extremely trite right now seriously yeah we spent a year on ken star investigations and hearings and impeachment doesn't that all just seem like friggin romper room right now a made for tv event So yes, his political analysis is probably correct. He probably politically played it right on the money from a consultant, cynical, realpolitik, the phrase you just used. From that perspective, he probably nailed it and stuck the landing. The problem is the gates of hell are opened and we're beyond, as the police once said, there are no political solutions. We're beyond that now. He's playing a game that is literally from another century. It doesn't matter how good he is at it. It's irrelevant. You were talking about the band, the police, who said that, right? You might want to clarify, because the police in Evalde think there is one. It's to stand there and do nothing. See, I've brought up... Do you mind if I get in on this as well? Feel free. I mean, I brought this scene up before, and I think it's apropos with what you've talked about. Mitch McConnell is Walter White in Breaking Bad during the scene near the end of the series where the neo-Nazis who Walter has made deals with finally catch up to him and have his brother-in-law at gunpoint. And Walter White is standing there. He still cares for his brother-in-law, even though he's been playing them for a fool for years. Still cares for him. Trying to make a deal. Pleading with the neo-Nazis. Don't shoot him. We can make a deal. I can make you rich. All of this and all of that. And Hank looks up at Walter. Hank, the brother-in-law, looks up at Walter with a gun to his head, said, Walter, you're the smartest guy I ever knew. Even you're too dumb to see. They made up their mind what they were going to do five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Hank knew what time it was. Mm -hmm. And for him, it was too late. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like, what it looks like when you're trying to play realpolitik with a gun at your head and maybe literally sooner than later, is that... You just let the guys, you just let these guys trash the place on the way out, as you've uh, talked about before. You just let them trash the place on the way out when you try to play these games. And what you amount to, and what you, what your your character is in this analogy, you're just uh, the Yavaldi Police Department just standing by, kind of while it happens. That's what you, what happens when you have a gun pointed at your head and you're still trying to play realpolitik. It does not work. The time is too late for that. Indeed, you're not up against Democrats. You're up against demons. 
However, if you are looking to score more big wins at the U.S. Supreme Court, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have an excellent track record with cases, including all the way to the Supreme Court, on virtually all of our constitutional rights and liberties. We try to uphold a policy on this show of not directly asking you to consider donating to something that we would not and have not directly donated to. And hey, our family has directly donated to Alliance Defending Freedom, which is why we are comfortable asking you to do the same uh, because they represent all their clients, even the ones they take all the way to the Supreme Court pro bono. That means they need tax-deductible donations from people like us to fund these causes. If you would like to make one today, go to adflegal.org slash Steve. That's ADF for Alliance Defending Freedom, adflegal.org slash Steve. Coming up here on the show today, Theology Thursday at the bottom of this hour. We'll continue our look at my most recent book, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. Next hour, Dr. Andrew, and he is an MD, guys. As an actual doctor. MD, Dr. Andrew Bostom, also Brown University, see that as Ivy League, epidemiologist, permanently banned, or at least until Elon Musk takes over later this fall, permanently banned for now uh, from Twitter for sharing a peer-reviewed study in an academic journal, which also got which the same study, because I, I saw it from Andrew, you know, uh, and that's what also got me in 10 hours of Twitter jail uh, yesterday was sharing that as well. We will talk to him about that study and the latest data on the jab next hour, and then we will play three non-political questions. But before we get to all of that, pardon the delay. Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Why doesn't your Republican governor sound like this? At a press conference yesterday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was asked about the latest phony narrative claiming he's prohibiting young people, including babies, from getting the COVID jabs. Here's how he responded. So the White House is lying about it. We, (laughs) surprise, not surprised the White House would lie. Definitely not surprised that legacy media would amplify the lie because that's what they do. The state of Florida, they came out with an article saying the state of Florida has not ordered, its Department of Health has not ordered mRNA jabs for the babies. Yes, we didn't. We recommend against it. We are not going to have any programs where we're trying to jab six-month-old babies with mRNA. That's just the reality. And I think what happened was they thought somehow we would we would like be be embarrassed by that. No, we're following the data. You look at these European countries; uh, they are. Uh, a lot of them don't even allow Moderna for under age 30 or they recommend against it. So that was always that. We still have not ordered it. We're not going to order it. Now, what they're saying is because practitioners and hospitals can order it, somehow we've reversed. I, I said from the beginning they'll be able to do that. We don't have the authority to prevent it. And quite frankly, if someone wants to make a different decision, I would just caution people, look at the actual data in the clinical trial. It is the weakest possible data that you could possibly uh, see. Very small number of people, uh, what the recommendation is from them doesn't even track the outcomes. It was something that, but, but people can ask their pediatricians, they can ask their doctors, what's the evidence of, of, of protection against severe disease? There, there was none in the clinical trial. Uh, but, but that's something that people would do. But for us, Joe Latipo, our Department of Health has looked at it, there is no proven benefit to put a, a baby with an MRNA. So that's why our recommendation is against it. That's different than prohibiting the use in Florida, which we don't have the, the authority to do. And quite frankly, you know, we're, we're confident people can make their own judgments on it. But I would say when you look at the trial, one of the things they did, they did not have 
uh, babies or very young kids who had recovered from COVID in the trial. So we don't know what this will do for people that have recovered. But in their recommendation, they are recommending giving the mRNA shot to people, young babies and kids that have already recovered from COVID. They don't have any clinical data on that. And people have looked at some of this stuff and have recognized how that, and you know what? The White House is bragging that we're the only country that is trying to do mRNA shots for infants. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with, with, with being, being the lone ranger if you're right. But the, com- the other countries in Europe that are going a different direction, similar to the direction Florida's gone, they have been right on COVID way more than Fauci and his crew have been throughout this whole thing. Remember, these are people in Washington that rejected the idea of natural immunity. Uh, For a year and a half, they said that the vaccine was better than prior infection. And every credible study that's been done has said that that's not the case. And so they've been wrong time and time again. They were wrong when they criticized me for having schools open. They wanted our kids locked out of school in the state of Florida. They were wrong when they criticized me for having businesses open, beaches, all these other things. And so this is an example where they are pushing this with very, very, very scant data. But again, People can make their judgments, but but ask questions. And the fact of the matter is, I think what this whole uh, year and a half has shown us is these regulatory agencies in the federal government have basically become uh, subsidiaries of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, They are not independent regulators. Uh, they basically are there to rubber stamp uh, what Pfizer wants to do. So people can people can make their judgments on it, but we have not ordered any uh, for the Department of Health. There's been absolutely zero change in our recommendations. And the recommendations, remember, we were the first state to recommend against 6 to 11-year-olds. We never had any state programs for any of that. There have been some practitioners that have ordered it, and some have gotten it. Most most parents are not giving it uh, for, the, for the kids with the MNRA, but some, some did, and I think it's the same thing. So this is a continuation uh, of our policy that we've had in place really since the spring. And that's what happened while we were away. I know they're about to take all the nicotine out of them, so can I go ahead and have a cigarette after that? Um, the Eternal Flex, uh, known as Ron DeSantis. <laughs> what a nickname. If, I, if Trump was the I, when, yeah, if, if Trump was the reflex, yeah. then DeSantis is the eternal flex. Hey, can I get on that? Can I get that branded right now? I mean, the Ohio State just went full on reclaiming the. So, can I? How do I do this? Let me do this because I'm gonna. President Camacho can help uh, you with that. I'm, I'm you're flushed. Get, do you need to lay I down? Am, I'm going to get. Kirk Herb Street level lost in your eyes here in a minute, Debbie Gibson. Okay, I need to pause for a second and tell you about our friends over at Tyga Coolers. Okay, um, maybe you'll want a customized Ron DeSantis cooler lid after watching that. Uh, but it is, of course, officially summer, and hey, it, that means it's also almost fall and tailgate season around a lot of the country as well, which means it is cooler season. Get your cooler from the cool kids over at Tyga, all American-made, lifetime warranty guarantee as well. They can customize a lid for you if you've got something that you want to honor, commemorate, or you think is kind of cool, or even if you just want to put that uh, tattoo of your mama you've got on your back. Uh, they can do that for you on your cooler lid as well. Uh, or they'll just, you're like, I don't really want anything customized. I just want to 
good, dependable cooler. They'll give you one of those, too, with a 10% discount when you use My Name Steve as your promo code when you check out on their website at taigacoolers.com. T-A-I-G-A is how they spell it. T-A-I-G-A for Taiga Coolers at taigacoolers.com. Um, so we had this poll that came out from New Hampshire yesterday. First in the nation primary state. And it has... Shockingly, and I can promise you this lit up my this lit up my phone yesterday. People all over the country saw this. Um, key people, people that are involved in at a, at a key level in conservative organization, GOP presidential politics, the the kind of network of people that I get to, you know, connect with because of the role that I've been providentially permitted to play in the presidential process here in the first in the nation caucus state for the last decade plus. And that, you know, when drudge was still a thing, the drudge sirens, remember those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this New Hampshire poll yesterday was the drudge sirens of polls. It would, it got a lot of people. I mean, I kind of gave it the, uh, Chris Farley flip up the glasses in the Schmaltz ad. If you remember that parody yes, from I back do. in the day, that was kind of my reaction when I saw it. And it was a lot of other people's reaction. And let me, let me take a step back here and, and reiterate this. This guy would not have been governor without Donald Trump. It just wouldn't have happened. Couldn't have won the primary without Trump. Could not have won it. Barely won the primary. Won his gubernatorial election by less than 40,000 votes over a guy who got caught literally doing cocaine off a gay hooker's ass. And then it turns out now as well, he's a corrupt money launderer so bad, even the Biden Justice Department is indicting him yesterday. That's how bad Andrew Gillum was. And he was nearly governor of Florida and how, how the last couple of years of history would look dramatically different. Dramatically. And... I'm not saying this to be patronizing or condescending in any way. If I'm being condescending, you'll know because I'm kind of not really good at it. Subtlety is not really a gift of mine. You know, I'm about as subtle as a steel-toed boot. He does frustrate me at times. I'm not subtle about that either. But whatever you think of that guy that was in Aaron's montage and however much hope you have in him, understand that doesn't exist without Donald Trump. No way. No way. And even beyond that, the path that Trump forged that showed you can just stand there and punch these people back right to their grill. So it wasn't even just the, the legitimacy from a campaign or electoral standpoint that Donald Trump gave Ron DeSantis. He helped, he trailblazed a path like a pulling guard almost in a football game. Cleared a hole for now here, but now here, and now here comes sweetness. Now here comes Tony Dorsett. Here comes Emmett Smith. Here comes Barry Sanders now. The hole has been cleared like a pulling guard. However, I think some of the conversation we just had a minute ago applies here. Earlier this morning, Heritage Foundation came out with a glowing interview with the guy that ran Trump's vaccine program and how they got all this out in a year. And I tweeted it out and I'm like, we know that is the problem. 
If there would have never been a Ron DeSantis without Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis has now become the fulfillment of the hope people had in Donald Trump at the same time. Either one of these guys will be the GOP nominee in 24. There will be no one else, provided they're both healthy and we have a country. It'll be one of them. They will win, I believe, regardless of which one it is. So let's, let's take out the whole electability argument, because DeSantis is also not a governor from some fringe state. It's the third largest state in the union. Some would argue it's Donald Trump's home state. He may win there by anywhere from 8 to 15 points this fall. An astounding margin. He does some of the least amount of big donor events of any Republican politician in the country, and he is still sitting with over $100 million in the bank. You know where that money came from? People like you. Not the Cokes. That came from people like you. People like you seeing that hope. I'm sending that guy 50 bucks right now. I'm sending that guy 100 bucks right now. That's how you raise over $100 million without pimping the gravy train banquet donor circuit. So throw out the electability argument. You know, where apparently Kathy Barnett couldn't get elected, but a guy with 100% name ID who is further underwater with independence in Pennsylvania than Joe Biden is supposedly could get elected. Okay. Whatevs. Cool. But in this one, that argument's irrelevant. We know both these guys can win. One of them already has, and one of them has won the most the biggest and most contested swing state in the union twice, right? So the whole electability argument is thrown out the window. That and that's all subjective. And often is driven by a narrative of grifters and pimps and shills. A primary between these two guys would offer us a chance to have something on the right that I don't know we've had in my entire career and and maybe in the time that I've been politically aware. Because I I came to political awareness during the Reagan era when he was clearly king of the hill. He was the standard. We could have a conversation legitimately about this question and really this question only. Who would be the best president for such a time as this? Can you think of a time we've ever had that conversation? No. No. And I think it would make both of them better candidates because of it, by the way. Because it would make the main thing the main thing right away. Who would make the better president for such a time as this? I have maintained all along, I just, I don't see it happening. I think the Fox base with Trump is too strong. I will tell you, and I'm still in Hawkeye mode, don't give me hope. I will tell you my cynical veneer cracked a tad, a smidge. A little of the tar came off my black heart, and a little light shined through watching that clip, and here's why. Because if he is willing to make that argument to Donald Trump's face on a stage... Exactly the way that he just made that. There is no comeback to that. There's no way to gaslight that. There's no, there's no cheeky name. There's no shtick to react to that. 
you're reduced to your mama jokes. And over here, we've got like the prophet Isaiah just dropping rhymes. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, you're like, you're and, and, and it would force and at the very least, here's the worst case scenario it would do if he's willing to do that. At the very least, it would pro- help propel Trump into being what you actually believe and want him to be. And that's what competition does. So I don't know what you guys think, but ding, ding. Let's put him in the ring and let's see what happens. Let's see if Obi-Wan's got any, any juice left or if it's time for the rise of the sky of, of Skywalker here. Let's put him in the ring. Let's find out. Because And it won't matter who else declares if they both do, because they will suck all of the oxygen out of the room. It'll be beyond irrelevant. And you'll, we could get, for maybe a year, one-on-one, basically, a true contest of not a bunch of subjective BS that doesn't matter or the media dictating the talking points for our candidates, but where these guys actually are making the case directly to us who would make the better president. Like, a positive premise conversation. I can't even believe I'm saying that right now. I'll get you guys' reaction to this, and we'll get into Theology Thursday when we come back. You know, we don't always have the option these days to do business with companies that aren't trying to give our values the business or put them out of business. Uh, That's why when that opportunity presents itself, and it does with your mobile phone, something we all need to use these days in modern America, take full advantage of it with our friends over at Patriot Mobile right now. Uh, You'll get pretty much the same coverage you get from the big communists because they all use pretty much the same towers. Uh, But you'll also get access to not just people who believe in the same things you do, but their outstanding customer service team that'll make the switch as seamless as possible like they did for my family. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch, you'll get extra savings as a way of saying thank you. For the rest of us, get a free activation with my name, Steve, as your offer code when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. All right, so gentlemen, let's get a thought here from each of you before we move on, move on to Theology Thursday on what I just said about the prospect of a DeSantis versus Trump race. I know I said yesterday I still wasn't even buying he was going to run. That's before I saw that New Hampshire poll. I, I I don't know with a poll like that how you don't run, frankly, with that kind of, if you're pulling that kind of number now. I mean, I, I don't know how you look at that and say, yeah, I think I'm just going to wait my turn. I mean, I think the odds of these guys both getting in the race together dramatically improved and increased yesterday. What are your thoughts real quick? Well, first of all, you know, it's funny you bring up the Heritage Foundation last segment. I led that, uh, the montage, just the clip. I set up that clip. What is, why doesn't your Republican governor sound like that? Moreover, why doesn't your Republican senator sound like your Republican U.S. representative sound like that? Your state senator, state representative sound like that? Why doesn't your favorite, um, you know, uh, family advocacy group sound like that? That's stepping on a few toes, maybe. Why? 
the reason why I wanted to play that clip in its entirety. If you are like me, and you believe that the next frontier of the pro-life movement isn't just going to be some golden years of, uh, of uh, progressively progressively saving babies state from state, state to state, and we should absolutely rejoice in that babies are being saved in Texas and in other places that have enacted uh, stringent bans on baby killing, and praise the Lord for that. But it's not going to be some sort of golden years Valhalla. The next phase of the pro-life movement is, ironically, bodily autonomy, except the real kind. The real kind, not the fake uh, my body, my choice, the baby killers like to trot out there. If you're like me and you believe that's the next phase of the pro-life movement, guys, it's a pressing issue. Saving babies was always a pressing issue, but even more so now, it is a pressing issue. Here's a guy who not only understands the issue, understands it to the point that he can clearly communicate what the data actually says in a way that makes sense. I listened to that the first time. Everything clicked with me. Mm -hmm. And it's governing affirmatively upon that data. It's important for all of us to hear that and what that sounds like. And then ask ourselves the question, why isn't my XYZ Republican organization, senator, politician, what have you? Why why don't they sound like that? Listen, this is made flesh. The old question, who wins in the cosmic duel between the irresistible force and the immovable object? I, there's no way of knowing that now or then because you can't, you can't see the math, uh, from the outside, uh, we can try, but ultimately, this is like with sports. Uh, as much as we think we know, and we, you know, the two teams, how they played, and things like that, what we never know on any given day is the hearts and minds of the the college kids playing, even the pros playing on that given day. What's going on in the locker room all the time? I mean, there's just and here within the DeSantis family and within the trump family you know as much as uh, uh, steve's right don't give me hope his inspiration for everything he laid out that there that's the best case scenario we could all see this thing absolutely be a total pile of ash uh, as well so i'm gonna jesus juke this thing all there's left to do is pray i honestly i just i don't know that it's this thing's totally up to God right now on this thing. I, I, I can't see beyond that riddle that I said at the very beginning. There's, there's just two men there of immense gravitas. Not the same kind. It, we're, we're just going to find out, I guess. All right, so I'm going to call an audible. We're going to move Theology Thursday to the last segment of the show because I want to continue with this conversation. Because okay. listening to what you both had to say... I also came up with something that will not sound like an optimistic take to many people, but it is to me. I don't necessarily define optimism by immediate outcome success. You know, my, my belief system begins with a dead 
Messiah. Dead. Dead. Tortured beyond recognition. Murdered in cold blood. Ghastly levels of inhuman acts committed against him. And then he's thrown in a tomb in a cave behind a 2,000 plus pound rock and supposedly never to be heard from again. If, if, if at that moment, based on that outcome, I made the determination on the success of the faith I put in him, I would think that I did not get the ROI that I was anticipating, correct? Mm-hmm. Then what happened on the third day? The stone gets rolled away. And so th- that's why I, I try to not always see success. And did I immediately get the outcome that I wanted? But was the truth better known? Were things made plain? And I know for a lot of people, even people that believe the same way that the three of us do, guys, accepting the truth, if it doesn't give me the outcome I want, isn't fun. I mean, if we're being honest, the number one reason why the prosperity gospel heresy has infected the church is because it's the idea that I will get the outcome I want. That, yeah, I may, because there are some of them. I won't name them because if I do, everybody will lose their minds. There are some of them who will actually preach the actual gospel, like sin and repentance. There are some of them that do. They're not all just, they're not all Joel Osteen's. There are, there are several of them that actually do baptize people. Like they preach sin and repentance. But, there is, but, but their message seems to indicate that the suffering I will receive for my faithfulness in Christ, that I will receive the outcome of reward in this life that feeds my carnality before I even get to the reward that I was promised in the next one. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That if I, that, that, that this suffering will lead to something good, I'll get the promotion I want, the relationship I want. Hey, I got dumped by this guy because the Lord's got a better husband waiting for me. Uh, you may not, guys. You, you may have just been dumped by that guy because he's a sinner and there isn't another guy waiting for you because the pool of men is shallow And the Lord is returning soon and really no point in investing what time you have in a relationship with someone who isn't worth it. Like, I'm not saying that, but you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't know. That's why, that's why my favorite portion of scripture is Romans eight. It is soaring prose. It's really the, the, the entire culmination of Paul's ministry is in that chapter, Uh, particularly verse 28. For all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. That doesn't mean it works to your good, but to his. And then you just have faith that because he didn't spare even his own son on your behalf, what works out to his good will eventually work out to yours. That's not a promise, though, that in this life the outcome you want will be realized. It's not. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And as one of my great radio mentors, Jen Michelson, taught me at a young age, if at first you don't succeed, lower your standards. <laughs> so I learned early on in this business of politics to not base meaning and purpose off of did you get the outcome you wanted? Voters are fickle. The media is corrupt. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, and if, because if you go by that, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to sell out stat. Because if you, that's, you think that's the best way to get the outcome you want. And then if you don't, hey, 
I got pocket change. I didn't want to do that. On the other hand, I didn't want to end up on the top of a water tower with a high-powered rifle. So I needed to find another way to find meaning and purpose in this gig. And the way that I found was, did the truth come out? Did the truth come out? That the truth is its own reward. And whether the truth sets us free or, as it says in Ezekiel, we are a stiff-necked people and will reject it, but you will know that a prophet was among you. Not like a prophet of, I'm telling you the future. That can mean that, but the most basic meaning is, I told you the truth. Thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts, or these are the facts. This is the truth. If the DeSantis that's in that video runs for president against Donald Trump, there's no way we lose. No way. Now, this won't sound like it when I'm about to say to some of you, but it's not. The truth will be known. Once and for all, we will know the truth. And we have lived in an era of just, we are in an era right now where it's just all deception all the time. We don't want the truth to come out. We're afraid of it. Our own governments conspire to hide it. Members of Congress will bring Dr. Corey up on Capitol Hill to help treat them with ivermectin, but then won't do anything to make sure that their constituents can get access to it. That's the era in which we live. Deception abounds. And the antidote is not a rival or better deception, but the truth. And the truth we're going to know is we're going to learn if the DeSantis in that video runs for president, here are the two truths we're going to learn. And we'll learn them simultaneously. It won't be one or the other. We will learn both of these truths. In fact, they will go together. They're in relationship with one another. Number one, does Donald Trump have another gear? Is there more to him than the shtick? Is there more to him than the media conflict? Is he capable of being a Churchill who also was crass and a curmudgeon and alienated all of polite society and even, frankly, a lot of people who liked him? But when the moment mattered the most, when history called, he took, like Aragorn, took the sword and stepped into the role and is one of the biggest reasons that you're not Zig Heiling today. Can Trump do that? History called with COVID. He didn't answer. Or he gave it the wrong one. And it's why he's not president today and we're suffering now. And likewise, a generation of voters, frankly, a generation of boomer voters, reared in an era where the people who listened on radio thought Nixon won the debate. The people who watched on TV thought Kennedy did. Whoever's the most likable on TV wins every single time. We want the show. We want to own the libs. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tune into Hannity again tonight in between Paul Malls. And this is finally the night we get to the bottom of Hillary's emails and Lindsey Graham's going to get to the bottom of it. Do those people really, really 
want to save the country for their children and grandchildren? Or do they have another? They don't have another level either. This is the highest that water rises. It doesn't go any higher. And we may not, I'm going to warn you right now. You may not get the answer you want. But I'm excited that I'll at least get an answer because I need to know. I, I have to know what the truth is, even if it's bad. I need to know what's real, what's true. I grew up around a lot of lies, a lot of deception, a lot of false promises. I'll never do it again. Promise. They were never realized. And even before I got converted, it created in me a zealotry, a, a zealous desire to know what's true. I'd ask coaches, just tell me if I'm not good enough, I can live with that. Just tell me if I'm not good enough, I can live with it. I just need to know. Is that why I'm not playing more? Just tell me. What's the truth? Tell me the truth. Will someone tell me the truth? I've sat here for many years wondering. You know, we, years ago on the show, we used to frame it as steak and Cheez-Its. Is it just that our people don't know how to eat steak or they prefer the Cheez-Its even if it was there? We don't know. That race would tell us so much about where we are and truly what we have left, what gas we have left in the tank. Because if Trump doesn't rise to another level and wins anyway, you have your answer. You have your answer. That the people have been the problem the entire time. If Trump rises to that level, or DeSantis beats him because he can't, then you have an answer there too. That there is still hope because the light hasn't completely gone out of the people yet. And I'm okay with either outcome. Obviously, I'd prefer one over the other, but I would love to just have one of them, just to know what the truth is. Finally, once and for all, Let's lay it bare. Hour two is next. And we're back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me on Twitter. Again, I'm out of jail uh, at Steve Day Show, uh, as well as you can look for at Steve Day Show on Getter, on TikTok and Instagram as well. And then look for us on Trump's Truth Social at Real Steve Dace is where you'll find me there. And then you can find clips of the show free of any censorship and free for you to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And don't forget the last name is D-E-A-C-E. For those of you that are uh, podcast listeners, just can't thank you enough. The last few weeks we've had our highest iTunes ratings ever. Uh, please uh, leave us, if you've not done this, leave us a five-star review. And if you've got a question for a future Ask Me Anything and you put it in your new five-star review, you'll go to the front of the line of an upcoming Ask Me Anything as a way of saying thank you for that. Thanks to all of you that already left us five-star reviews. And please hit subscribe and follow as well. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. Man, interest rates were in the low threes seven, eight months ago. They're in the sixes now. Folks, I mean, that is a lot of uncertainty uh, in the mortgage market. That's why more than ever before, 
Make sure before you go in, you go in with an agent that you can trust. Where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is about hooking you up with an agent that doesn't just talk a good game, but walks the walk as well. They don't get listed without a verified track record of success. So that just about anywhere that you want to move to, or these days get away from, uh, we can find one of those for you if you go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. So I mentioned uh, yesterday I was in Twitter jail for 10 hours. And I originally thought, as I said, that it was my own fault. So I just, you know, took the, uh, the, uh, the, the punishment and was going to move on uh, because there was a study uh, academically reviewed and published. And I saw it from our friend of the show, Dr. Uh, Andrew Boston, uh, about sperm motility or fertility uh, being decreased by just a standard COVID vaccination with the mRNA spike protein which doesn't even address the question, well, what about the boosters? Because this apparently limited fertility for up to five months. And notice that they're asking us to take these boosters about every five or six months right now. So who even knows what happens long-term with increased frequency of injection? And I, I thought I'd made a mistake. You know, I try to keep my messaging on this in, in, in the Twitter and Facebook spheres very rigid and tight. All right, so that so that I don't go down for tax evasion like Al Capone. I I, I want to get taken out for the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I earned it, okay. And I thought this time when I when I tagged that study with hashtag depopulation, and they nailed me the next morning. Like, yeah, that was too far. You're right. You got me. I I, I made it easy for you. I'll just I'll 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 hit accept my punishment and take my ten hours and move on. But since I was still allowed to read my Twitter account, I logged on to see what was trending. And I find out that our friend Dr. Andrew Bostom had been permanently uh, banned, or at least until this fall when Elon Musk takes over, uh, he had been permanently banned for sharing the study that I shared from him. And that's when I knew it had nothing to do with hashtag depopulation. I didn't just rankle them with a hashtag, a sloppy hashtag that was over the top. It's the, it's the study itself. It's the data. It's the narrative itself. This is... You've heard of the third rail. This is the fourth rail here. This is the this is the thing they don't want out there or discussed on any level whatsoever. Like how they mobilized quickly to that clip of Bill Gates saying vaccines will help us with deep with you know with overpopulation. You're like I thought vaccines saved lives. Wouldn't we actually have more people if we did this, right? So it was very clear that they wanted to they wanted to snuff pun intended this narrative from ever seeing the light of day, no matter what academic respected academic journal it was published in. I want to discuss it further and more because there is more troubling data out there as well with our friend, Dr. Andrew Boston, MD, uh, Brown University epidemiologist, so fairly well qualified to discuss such matters, you would think. Uh, he joins us again here on the show. It is good to see you again, Andy. How are you, man? Good, good. I, you know, Steve, I, I, uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Jen Cabrera, mentioned to me that you were in, in Twitter jail, and, and um, she did mention that it was related to the same, yeah. to the same paper. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's very strange, Steve, because, uh, you know, originally I had sort of a tongue-in-cheek title for Legal Insurrection, which published my um, c comments about it, and I called it uh, my belated Father's Day gift suspension from Twitter, you know, because, <laughs> because the tweet went out on Father's Day, and a colleague of mine, and I, I, I don't know if you've interviewed him, but I'm sure you know of him, uh, cardiologist uh, Peter McCullough, who's one of the more widely published yep. cardiologists in the world, actually. Um, Peter, Peter commented uh, when he saw the tweet, 
he said, he said, Andy, did you time this specifically for Father's Day? <laughs> and 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 he, but but he went on to seriously say, look, you know, there's there's some questions here. Um, you know, Steve, if you see in my tweet, I I was trying to be cautious about it too. Uh, the first part of the tweet is is literally the title of the study uh, <laughs> as it appeared and then and then um, I, I mentioned that that at five months you know there might be this you know sort of trend towards a rebound and then just ask the question well you know what you know we don't they don't have any data on what happens uh, with a booster because this was just the primary vaccination series so I thought it was I thought it was really tame. And and I was just, you know, waking up uh, uh, whenever it was, I guess they waited a couple of days, um, I guess it was um, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, uh, you know, to find out that 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 not only at first first they put me in you know quarantine, whatever it is. And and, and, and then I got a follow up uh, 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 um, email from Twitter that that the, the account had been suspended. And I, and I just I was honestly I, I, w- I was shocked that for simply. Again, largely what the tweet does is reproduce the title of the study. <laughs> it's just um, it, it, something was beyond the pale because the title the title is 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 called is uh, is called COVID nineteen vaccination and then you know the BNT one sixty two B two temporarily impairs semen concentration and total motile count among semen donors. I mean that was basically the gist of of what I put into my tweet with a link to the study. So it's it's very confusing and, and it gets even more confusing because I think now we're getting into, um, you know, are there repercussions for other activities mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter? Um, as you know, Steve, um, we've been involved here in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, I've been supporting parents who have been litigating against the local Department of Health because of unreasonable um, mask mandates. Uh, and, 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 and finally, after months and months and months, um, the, the, there's going to be de- uh, depositions a, uh, a, as part of discovery, and officials from the Department of Health are going to be brought in and deposed. Mm. Um, so far, it hasn't extended out to other public health officials in the state of Rhode Island, but you, you know they they were in, they were involved too, including uh, who used to be the guy who used to be the former dean of of the um, of the uh, school of the uh, of the uh, uh, Brown University School of Public Health. Uh, who actually still has that position? He's kind of he's just on 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 hiatus. And, and now, of course, you know who he is. He's Dr. Shish Shah. He's he's the chief COVID advisor. And Steve, he came out the other day. Uh, so I'm trying to get put some context on this. He came out the other day during an interview with with CBS News, and I was just shocked. He he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but but he used the word any. He said there had been hadn't been any serious adverse events. Uh, in relation to to COVID vac- COVID vaccination, wow! I I, I put out you know a, a tweet and and I was like this is you know this is not acceptable. I, I mean, clearly there's not only the the uh, myocarditis problem with the mRNA vaccines, particularly in in, in young in young males under 30, um, but I mean going all the way back to the beginning, Steve, with with the with the adenovirus vector vaccines, they, they, they were rare, but there were these clear cut, in, including fatal cases. Of this syndrome, where you where you um, uh, you have uh, the combination of, of of clot of thrombosis and what's called thrombocytopenia, low platelets, which which can lead to fatal uh, hemorrhages, uh, you know, in, inside the brain. Uh, so so again, not common, uh, but but clear and and basically in the packaging materials now that come with the vaccine. So I, I mean, 
So maybe maybe it's some sort of retribution for pointing things out like mm. that or, or being involved in litigation against my own Department of Health. But it, it made no sense whatsoever. That is a possible theory for sure. But Andy, it also kind of feels like this crosses a bit of a red line. And mm. I want to get your take on this because I, I mentioned to our audience, there's two reasons why pushing these pushing back on this narrative the last 27 months that I think I've survived when some others have not. One is I'm associated with a I'm associated with a massive media platform in the blaze, right? If you're yes. if you're Alex Berenson, you've got a big audience, but you're you're an island. You're on your own. Okay. The, right. There's there is no major corporate structure to come to your defense or even just people with big followings on your network to come to your defense and raise hackles about this. Um, well, I would be a smaller island in that archipelago than compared sure, to Alex. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> who by the way, who by the way, emailed me and he couldn't believe it either. Right. You know. So that's one. That's one. But here's the other is I have been very careful. I only look at their data. I only look at their studies. People send me stuff from people like Steve Kirsch and all these guys all the time. And I'm well aware of the work they do and I have nothing against them. But the reality is that I'll get banned in three seconds if I try to go outside of their of their pool. And and the beauty of it is I don't have to do that. I can just look at all their own data to ask all the same questions and to pose all the same, um, you know, antithetical takes and and so it's hard to ban people for sharing your own data from your own institutions and your own journals. This here feels like we crossed this red line here. We that now that now even if it does come with the academic credentials that we previously told you mattered and with the sort of academic accreditation and journal um you know recommendation that we told you before mattered even if you bring that to the table if it's not a narrative that we want to see out there you're gone. Am I wrong? Because it seems like that red line's kind of been crossed here. Yeah, but 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 even there, there's some there's some nuance to it because you know, and God bless uh, Peter. I mean, you know, they could very easily have done something to Peter, except uh, Peter McCullough, um, and, and I'm glad they didn't. Um, but 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 Peter's in a different position. Um, you know, he he's he's got a much much um, larger presence. Uh, you know, both in terms of the media, but also in terms of of, of um, Congress and, and the Senate, he's he's testified. It may be more risky for them to go after him because he has he has other allies that that he can bring to the fore. Um, so maybe we're dealing with a situation like that. I, I really don't know. And and, and some of it, I, again, I get back to some of the what could be the petty vindictiveness. Um, you know, that's that's unique to, to Rhode Island, whether whether it was a complaint from the Department of Health or a complaint from Dr. Jha himself, who now is in, a, in an extraordinarily powerful position. I, I have no idea, but it's so arbitrary and silly on its face. I mean, what did I do? I, re- I reproduced again, basically the title from from a peer reviewed publication. Um, I, I guess also, Steve, you know, whereas whereas the authors will will take the fact that even at five months there was there was a um, a depression there was a decline a persistent decline in some of the indices they were looking at um, uh, which which you know which relate to to uh, to sperm to sperm function um, they 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 tended to say that that was a rebound so I, just to be, again in the tweet I was cautious and I, and I used that that word but but honestly when you when you look at, at the actual data that they tabulate, um, it looks like the values are still depressed at five months, and the only reason it doesn't re- reach "quote unquote" statistical significance is because 
um, the number of subjects they studied uh, was small. So if they had studied a slightly larger group of, 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 uh, of subjects, that same percent decline would then have reached, quote unquote, statistical significance. So there's a downward trend is what I'm saying, even, even at five months. And of course, you know, there's an interesting typo in the, in the piece. They, 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 they did mention in the protocol that, that they, they didn't study anyone with busters. They meant boosters. Um, and uh, that's a very significant uh, finding, as you alluded to in your opening, because if, 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 uh, if um, boosters are going to be given to, uh, to, to folks, uh, you know, five, six months apart, then that's basically the limit of the study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and what, was this pheno- you know, would this phenomenon be repeated? Who, who knows? Who knows? So, um, yeah, I, I just, on the one level, Steve, it's, it's just foolish to do this, have this kind of, uh, 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 to engage in this kind of behavior by Twitter. But on the other hand, it's, it's insidious. And, and um, it, it, it's, it's meant to shut down, uh, like so many other things that Twitter's done, uh, in relation to COVID and other matters, uh, it, it's meant to s- shut down rational, open discussion. I, w- I wasn't, I wasn't um, accusing anyone of, of of anything nefarious. Just that here's here's a phenomenon. It could be of concern. Uh, let's give it. Let's let's bring attention to it. Let's give it further study. Let's transition then. No pun intended. Uh, to. Childhood COVID vaccination, because that's where the heat is at right now. Uh, DeSantis uh, and the governor DeSantis and the Biden White House are in open war over this. The U.S. is the only country on planet Earth that has its regulatory agencies now recommending we give this to infants and toddlers. I, I reminded our audience yesterday, Andy, I don't know. I don't think that a lot of our people even know. There are still a lot of countries, including a lot of left-wing European countries, that you can't give a Moderna vaccine to somebody under the age of 30. There's only exactly. two. There's only yeah. There, there's yeah. only there's only two countries in the world that have basically said that you can do you can jab as many times you want to whoever you want with these things, and it's the U.S. and Israel. Those are like the only two countries that have been just like open season experiment on our people. Ironically, are the two places left where the Judeo-Christian worldview matters. I'm sure that's not a coincidence. It's, okay. It's irony. <laughs> All right. You know, you know, well, well, Steve, just on just you know, you brought up Israel, and and um, there was just uh, a, a preprint put out by this outstanding Israeli group that was that was one of the first groups. Uh, they've been studying the one of Israel's largest HMOs, the Maccabi HMO. Um, they, they put out the original uh, analysis back in August of, uh, of 2021, which showed that uh, long-term, certainly, um, naturally acquired immunity was w- more robust than vaccine-acquired immunity. They've gone on to have um, peer-reviewed publications from this group, uh, but now they just put out another preprint, which I'm sure it looks—it's a very—it's a very polished uh, preprint. It looks like it'll probably be submitted soon. But this is the largest study ever conducted, looking specifically at at the at the core of the pediatric age range from five to eighteen, um, and all unvaccinated. Uh, they followed a cohort of up to 459,000 uh, kids out to 18 months. And what they showed was that uh, there was a dramatic reduction in even any form of, in, of, of infection, in this case, reinfection, in those who had a prior infection. The, the protection of uh, hovering still around 80 percent uh, out to 18 months. Um, and also what, what, was, what was clear was that uh, virtually, virtually none of the kids that had a prior infection ever wound up in the hospital. I think there were two of them. 
Uh, and the entire cohort, Steve, uh, all of 459,000, whether, whether they've had a history of a prior infection or not, 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 a, not a single child died during 18 months of follow-up. And they came out with a very strong recommendation, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the, uh, the, the um, naturally acquired immun immunity uh, 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 phenomenon that they, they were studying, that it raised very serious questions about the legitimacy of mass vaccination of, of healthy children who certainly who had a history of prior infection. This is this is a a preeminent uh, Israeli academic group making a bold statement like that um, in in this preprint. Um, you know, so and it, 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 tr tremendous courage uh, to say this. You know, in in Israel where where there 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 is there is a lot of zealotry about vaccination. Um, but that's what that's where the data led them. It's an evidence-based conclusion from the largest study of its kind ever conducted so far. Wow. So here's a question I don't think I've asked you over the last couple of years that I'm probably overdue asking, brother. And given your um, your academic credentials, you're you're uniquely qualified to ask this question of because I, I don't run in those circles. And so I don't understand. I, I understand the subculture of partisan politics. That's where I live. I understand the motivations and, and poli of, of politicians. I don't understand the motivations of academics. I tried to get a degree in Super Tecmo Bowl. So that, that's my academic career. Okay. Um, help our audience of just regular Americans, just, just regular people, you know, you know, trying to pay their mortgages and, you know, give a better life to their kids. Andy, help our audience understand how academics, regulators can can say out loud that they are concerned about perpetuating a vaccine for an extinct variant and how that may lead to what's sometimes referred to as original antigenic sin or further debilitation of the human immune system within small e evolutionary or microbiologically uh, inferior product and keep injecting this in the people. And, and then to, to something that's already endemicide, okay? And yeah. then turn right around, though, and right after admitting this, and in writing or on camera, then turn right around and say, you should absolutely give this to your babies and your teenagers and your children. Help us to academic, because what, 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 can you connect those dots for us? Because uh, I, I go to the most sinister conclusions. Is there, am I missing something? Yeah, I, no, it's it's hard. It's, listen, it's hard. It's it, it, it almost becomes um, a form of denial or, or being illogical not to entertain sinister conclusions. Um, but I'm in a really unique situation, Steve, because I'm semi-retired. I still have I still have a, you know one affiliation uh, through through the through the system here in in, in Rhode Island. Um, uh, in prevention, <laughs> uh, in preventive medicine, um, and and um, you know my wife is a full time academic, so she's in the in the thick of it, um, you know, and she's very quiet. She's she's uh, you know uh, an outstanding and very busy clinician academic, um, but you know she sees enough of what's going on uh, that it's 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 become frightening to her too uh, that that there's there's something has changed since covid uh, people people who understand that um, some of the policies are, are are irrational even if it took them a while to get to that place um, they're 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 still afraid to say anything about them um, and uh, I, I think this, I think a lot of what we're dealing with now, the irrationality was imposed from above 
And now people in the system are, are afraid to remove it uh, or, or are afraid to speak out and, 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 and seek for its, its removal. And it's, it's, it's really terrifying. And, and, you know, everyone goes crazy when you make, uh, you know, analogies, you know, to the 1930s. And um, uh, but 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 they, they may be apropos uh, or, or not just the 1930s to, to, the, to the Stalin era where where, uh, you know, physicians did not uh, exhibit the most uh, courageous and, and, and appropriate and ethical behavior and, and went along with with um, the imposition of, of, of bizarre totalitarian ideas, uh, uh, excluding the Nazis. I mean, Lysenkoism from the Soviet Union was just sheer anti-science. I mean, the, the, you know, the Nazis' racial theories w was, was something else and, and also very anti-scientific. Um, but but um, I, I see I see a deep uh, a deep well of, of Lysenkoism that's operating mm. here. Uh, you know, Lysenko had these crackpot uh, genetic theories, which uh, Stalin embraced. Um, and it led to purges of, of, of real scientists in the Soviet Union. It led to the imposition of, of, of dangerous and absurd ideas that probably contributed to their crop failures. Uh, so it, 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 I, it's a very parlous time. Um, and like I said, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a unique situation to be outside of it largely, but also seeing it uh, fr from the inside. And, and um, Physicians, by and large, have been cowed are, are, and are operating uh, uh, out of fear. And, and very, very few are speaking up, certainly speaking up from within the system. Thank you for the work that you have done. Thank you for speaking up. And uh, we'll continue to do the best we can with the platforms we have to highlight um, you doing so. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. That's Dr. Andrew Bostom here with us uh, on the show. Uh, this part of the show brought to you by... Viciously loyal clothing. What are you viciously loyal to? Your convictions, your family, your faith, your community, your country. Well, viciously loyal was created by people that are driven by those kinds of convictions. It's a purpose-driven brand. Unique is the people who wear it. Uh, and it comes from a long line of servicemen and women who chose to be servants for their countries and their communities. And now they do really cool clothes uh, with a full range of premium T-shirts, tanks, hats, and more. A lot of cool swag, all designed to fit your individual style, no matter what it is. If you want to check it out today, go to viciouslyloyal.com. And while you're there, use the promo code Steve if you see something or a few somethings that uh, strike your fancy. Get 20% off your new Viciously Loyal gear with the promo code Steve when you go to viciouslyloyal.com. Let's get some reaction to the conversation we just had with Dr. Andrew Bostom. I, I think it is interesting because there are unique reasons why in medicine versus education uh, versus politics versus sports uh how the machine in fact uh works to produce the cognitive disconnect the moral chaos that you and andy just pointed out but it is not primary and this is going to dovetail nicely with what we talk about uh next half hour the simple fact of the matter, the answer to that question, what's going on there in medicine, is what's going on everywhere. People just aren't basically good, man. Mm -hmm. That's it. We let go of the rope as the culture, guys. Yeah. I mean, that's how you go, you know, that's how Uvalde happens. That's how this happens. We let go of the rope. And when a culture lets go of the rope, it goes fast. That's how you go from, you know, in one generation, people sacrificing themselves on United 93 to save maybe thousands of people on 9-11 to yeah. fully armed and right. 
and you know uh, bullet shielded cops right. standing outside a school listening and, and and hearing the cries and pleas of children and teacher teachers being massacred and and they can't be bothered that happens and it happens that fast when a culture lets go yeah. of the rope that's why there's no single institution Correct. To go to because it's not about the internal workings fundamentally. Correct. It's happened. There's a nothing to, it's nothing to isolate. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. Yep. So a couple, two, three things. I, I want to go back to that study that was discussed. What stood out to me, and I didn't realize this until you mentioned it on the show yesterday, the study, and I'll get to, you know, credibility, whatever, um, uh, because oh, that's important, but uh, that a little bit later. But let's just assume that it's uh, a study that's on the up and up. What stood out to me is that this was sperm donors. Okay? This wasn't just random set of the general population, correct? Correct. Why is that important? Because as I quipped yesterday, you think you can go into a uh, sperm donor clinic or whatever you want to call it, 80 years old, With a low sperm over, count. overweight, <laughs> get your jollies off and bada bing, bada boom, right. I'm going to be a dad. I don't yeah. know who. Yeah. No, 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 no. In a lot of instances, and in maybe most instances in sperm banks, it's not just dads who are freezing or preserving their sperm for their actual wives or what have you. It's a form of eugenics. Let's just be honest about that. It's a form of eugenics. I want the absolute best specimens here. So do you think that they're going to take guys with a history of uh, XYZ, low sperm counts, problems with the sperm? No, no. These are going to be the best of the best. So assuming this, assuming this, um, assuming this study is on the up and up, and I don't really have ample reason to doubt that, what do you think it's like for Joe Blow dad bod out there? Hmm. You mean with all um, kinds of uh, fatty foods yeah. and all that stuff destroying mm-hmm. your overall health? Like, like, like me. Uh, yeah. What do you think it's like for, what do you like, think it's like for that guy? And then we get into benign, innocent explanation. Secondly, let's just assume this whole study is bunk. Let's just assume the whole study is bunk. Why, why ban it? Why ban it? Because you can't be trusted. Why shut down the, the economy? You can't be trusted. Why require masks? You can't be trusted. Why put little uh, directional arrow, arrows on the grocery store floors? You can't be trusted. Why enact red flag laws? You can't be trusted. It's the same story over and over and over again. Because progressivism is the same story over and over and over again. Because progressivism, at its heart, the spirit of the age that we're up against is about one thing. And that's why it's the same story over and over and over again. It's about power. That's what this story is about. Mm -hmm. At its heart. And uh, it's just, you'll see this pattern repeating itself the more you study the modern progressive spirit of the ager. You can't be trusted and so we must take X, Y, and Z away from you. Great segue, Aaron, because when we come back here in a few moments, we're going to continue studying the modern spirit of the ager. Uh, with our Theology Thursday, looking at my most recent book, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer, it is time to choose ye this day. And we'll talk about what that means when we come back. 
know, I love to talk about Built Bar, especially with the new mud pie flavor. It is absolutely incredible. It, at the very least, it is a strong number two right now in my Built Bar flavor power ratings. I just don't know out of my brand loyalty and frankly, my idolatrous love for cookie dough. Okay. I just don't know that I could ever, there's anything that would supplant it. All right. Uh, but uh, it, it's at least in the conversation and it's available right now. The new mud pie puffs. If you love like decadent chocolate stuff, this is right up your alley. And like I said yesterday, after I ate the first one, man, I turned over the label. I said, come on. And it's, there's no way it's 150 calories, but there it is, man, right there on the label. It is. So, I mean, it is absolutely, these are the greatest protein bars you've ever had in your life. The mud pie bar is absolutely better than a lot of candy bars on the market. All right. Trust me. You know, I didn't have to lose 40 pounds of belly fat because I didn't never tried any candy bars before guys. All right. So if you want to try built bar today, particularly this new flavor or any of their great flavors loaded with protein, all covered in real chocolate, packed with flavor, as well, not though loaded impact with uh, carbs and calories and grams of sugar. Get one today or several boxes today uh, and use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E, to get 15% off when you go to Built.com. That's their website for Built Bar. Built.com for Built Bar, promo code Dace to get 15% off. Let's get to Theology Thursday. We are doing a series of book studies this year where we are studying the spirit of the age and how it behaves and therefore how we can defeat it, how we can confront it. We're on book two of this three book series, and it just so happens to be my most recent one. Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. And this book was written as an homage to Francis Schaeffer's great work, The Christian Manifesto. And it was also written to be a group study. And there are study guide, the, the, the chapters tend to be short and punchy. Uh, there are study guide questions at the end for you and your group to discuss. Todd, you were the one that, <clears throat> pardon me, you were the one that, uh, that uh, offered up those questions. So we appreciate that. This week, we're doing the chapter known as Choose This Day, which of course is a reference uh, to Joshua in the book of Joshua, when he challenges the Jewish people, hey, if the pagan gods, if Baal is God, then go and serve him. If the Lord, though, is God, then you should serve him. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, Todd, let's begin with those study questions. Well, the questions, I think, fundamentally address, there's a, a tension, possibly even a paradox going on here. The the men, the founders who created the greatest uh, legal and governing document ever in the history of mankind did so by pointing out that our rights uh, come from God. And that was uh, not only important, but incredibly unique in all of human history. Yet, these men who thought pretty highly uh, of themselves and their place in this moment ultimately established because that being said, we need to think much less of ourselves, because as I said before, and why this tubs dovetails so nicely in what we just discussed before, since we're not God, uh, we're quite a mess. We're not basically good. And therefore, we need to create this apparatus, these checks and balances to recognize that. So they're, 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 they are, these are men confident they, they are creating the greatest piece of liberty defining documents in the history of man to let freedom flourish and they're simultaneously saying yeah um we we have huge feet of clay and we're we're kind of messed up i think that's fascinating so to that end question one 
What is your understanding of the Declaration of Independence's reliance on truth as defined by, quote, the laws of nature and nature's God? Ultimately, there has to be some kind of standard. And, and, um, and it's an agreed upon standard that both sides of a social compact um, are ultimately accountable to. Otherwise, if you don't, if, if one side taps out, if one side says, yeah, I'm not sure that's the standard anymore, then you don't have a, a social compact. You have a suicide pact. You are unilaterally following something and limiting, it as a, and, and limiting yourself to it. And it's no longer a covenant, but now it's a limiting principle. And so you have limited yourself to following that which is no longer being followed while the other side of the or the other party of the agreement has determined that they don't have to follow it anymore. So they can just do whatever they want to you. That sounds familiar. That does sound familiar. And this is what they faced. I mean, these were these were Englishmen. This is what they faced from their own country is that is that social compact had been broken. And so then what's the justification for creating a new one? And then what would be the inspiration for a new one? And they were all students of history. They had read Hobbes and Locke. They were more influenced probably by Locke than they were Hobbes. Montesquieu, they knew all these names. They had all these people that were sort of the, the proto-genitors of, 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 you know, now that we have this thing called Western civilization, what does it mean? How does it, how does it get down to the nitty-gritty granular level of how an individual relates differently with their own government? And the first really public display and declaration of this was the Magna Carta a few hundred years before our declaration. And what the Magna Carta though ensured was liberty by law. All right. And so the Englishmen uh, were able to leverage and compel King John at the time into signing the Magna Carta and to guarantee them liberty by law, that it was decreed by law, by the law of the King of England, that they now had some form of, of, recognized transcendent rights within the realm. Now, was that an advancement? Was that more than what they had before they rose up against the king? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. But if it is the king recognizing your rights, then when a Pharaoh who knows not Joseph emerges later on, if we are agreeing to the premise that rights come from the king or from the government, then Aren't you essentially one king, or in this case, in our case, one election, away from losing your rights if it goes the wrong way? And so there had to be a more transcendent standard. And so they instead appealed to divine providence. They went to the king of kings. And they said, we're coming off the top rope. Governments don't bestow rights at all. At best, they recognize them. Rights are transcendent in nature. Rights come from the laws of nature and nature's God. They are indivisible. They're unalienable. You are born with certain rights. Anything that requires consent from another party is a contract, not a right. You are born with your natural, even in your sinful state, you have a natural, in your natural state, still being made in the image of God, the following, you still have a certain amount of rights that go along with that, that governments, because they are made up of people who are also made in the image of God and therefore accountable to him, must therefore recognize, or they are in violation of these laws of nature and nature's God, and once they violate them, for you to continue to obey, and this is a key point, for you to continue to obey the government, that is in violation of God's law. Me, they made the case that you were in violation of God's law. And the reason why this is a key point is because coming out of the Protestant Reformation, 
the, the, the two most pivotal historical moments that led up, that influenced the generations that led up to our founding were the Protestant Reformation and the Enlightenment. And so coming out of the Protestant Reformation, the study of the Word of God is democratized on the planet really for the first time. And, and now though, and, and some conflicts that didn't exist before, when essentially Rome and the, and the Holy Roman Empire kind of told you what certain things meant, or you lived under a more, you had, there were nation states, but it was a more singular European understanding of the world. Suddenly now these things, these, these things erupt like the divine rights of kings. What's the, what's the limit of the king? Um, these were things that weren't heavily discussed prior to these events, at least not in academic company. And so now there are disputes because you had some remnants of the Protestant Reformation. They were known as Anabaptists at the time. We call them Quakers or Mennonites and people like that today are Amish. They thought that there was no justification ever because of Romans 13 to ever revolt against the government. And therefore just kind of live your life quietly, regardless of what's going on within a government entity. And, and, and those movements had huge influence in some of these colonies, like Pennsylvania, for example, a quicker colony. And so to get all these colonies together, we had to overcome this argument. Hey, is it even, can the king just do anything to us? Is it ever justified? And so the argument is made that the king is in violation of God's law, and therefore for us to continue to follow this social compact that he has clearly broken, now puts us in violation of God's law. And that's why they list these, these 27 f- offenses. And the 28th was slavery, and it was taken out before the final version because South Carolina and Georgia would not agree to ratify it if it was left in. But the other 11 did agree. That the king caused all these evils to occur. And we cannot, as men made in the image of God, we cannot continue to facilitate and obey these usurpations, this long train of abuses, because it puts us in violation of God's law. And therefore, it is, it is right for us to secede, to divorce. And in case we're wrong, at the end, it says, with a firm reliance on divine providence... It invokes the, the wrath and judgment of God and says, do not let us be successful if we're wrong. If we have adjudicated this wrongly, if this exegesis is improper, if, if we are eisegetically doing this, meaning we went to the scriptures with what we, the outcome we wanted and imposed on it rather than rightly divided hermeneutically your law, then don't let this be successful. Stomp on us. We don't want to be a poor example of history. The amount of humility there is incredible. And you know why they had it? Because they were a generation of people not yet infected with the Darwinian notion that human ability, human nature was not fallible and that it could even be perfected and utopia was possible. And I think God honored that humility and that's what led to the miracle known as this country. So how is truth, in fact, self-evident? And how can you explain that to both the ignorant and the enemy? When we say truth is self-evident, what, we, what, we're, what we're talking about are the most obvious and objective truths. Gravity. Gravity is self-evident. I don't float. I can't fly. I'm, 
I'm firmly attached to the ground. Gravity is self-evident. It is self-evident that you should not kill another human. That's why when you think about it, your conscience is pricked unless you've given yourself over to being a sociopath. That's why when someone comes before you with a threat against your life, your fear instinct kicks in. That's, a, that's an acknowledgement of a self-evident truth. The birds and the bees that men have tab A to fit into the female slot B is a self-evident truth. That's what we mean by self-evident truths. And that therefore, because they are self-evident, they have, made, they have been revealed by the laws of nature and nature's God to be so obvious that the only way you could deny them is to be in violation of the laws of nature and nature's God. We're back to that point yes. again. The only way you could deny these things is to be in violation of the ultimate and highest law. Therefore, those self-evident truths must be acknowledged and also enforced. Well, we're probably only going to have time for one. I do want to get this in. If all men are, in fact, created equal, what does that mean both in theory and in practice? What doesn't that mean? And how do you know? It, mean, it, it means that all men are created equal or humans are created equal in worth and dignity, not in ability or station or outcome or income. I have abilities other people don't have. Other people have abilities and potential that I do not. Lots of people are better looking than me. All right. Well, certainly lots of people are kinder and gentler. Regardless of those gifts and that station, however, we are all equally both loved, but also accountable before God. God is not, as the Bible says, a respecter of persons. There is no form of wealth or aristocracy or achievement or station you can reach that exempts you from accountability to God. And oh, by the way, also, just because you may be poor doesn't mean you get to steal. Just because you may be of low station doesn't mean you get to covet and take things that don't belong to you or craft policies that I, I need that or I want that, therefore I get it. You don't get to do that either. That's what that means. Equal in terms of worth and dignity. Not necessarily guaranteed equal in terms of outcome, station, and income. Good questions. Thank you. Um, speaking of rights, I had a chance to cameo in a movie a few years ago that has won a bunch of uh, movie awards and pro-life awards. It's called Order of Rights. And it's a good time to kind of reset this movie now with any day now. Uh, Roe v. Wade likely to be overturned which means the conversations that are sparked in the courtroom in this movie are the kinds of conversations that are going to be going on in courtrooms in district and state courts all over this country now for the foreseeable future. So it's a great opportunity to get equipped and to learn about these arguments now because they are absolutely and seen. It's coming to a courtroom near you here soon. All right. So if you want to watch Order of Rights, uh, you can uh, purchase it online or rent it in Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, Vimeo. You can also visit orderofrightsmovie.com. Orderofrightsmovie.com. What kind of arguments will we be looking at in a post-row world? The very arguments in this movie. All right. So orderofrightsmovie.com. We got about 90 seconds. Any final thoughts either on Theology Thursday or today's show? Both, yeah. I, I think it's is kind of tying things full circle with the 
Supreme Court decision handed down, uh, striking down a New York law that uh, made it basically impossible to conceal carry. It's amazing. It's amazing. The left is always, always, always willing to pivot, to completely do a 180 degree flip flop, whatever they need to do in order to attain or preserve their power. Keith Olbermann. Mm-hmm. is talking about dissolving the court and ignoring the Supreme Court. That sounds like if 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 you just said uh person XYZ says the Supreme Court should be ignored, who are you more likely to believe that was? Steve Dace or Keith Olbermann? <laughs> right. But they're always willing to do that cuz they recognize this has never been about pluralism or living together or sharing a country with you. This is always 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 about Power. Yes. And we have to recognize that as well. It is mano y mano. It is a zero sum game. We have to win. They have to lose. That's the name of the game. We have to get that in our heads. Mm. We're going to stick around, record overtime for today's Blaze TV subscribers. We'll get into something that social media doesn't want us to talk about. So we'll do it in the overtime today. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.